You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. Joining me today is one of our board members alongside a fellow Navy sailor and Navy Command Master Chief, Rosa Wilson. Rosa, good morning. Good morning, David. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for a few minutes of your time. Thank you for your service. And thank you for what you continue to do serving the military community, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes. You know, when we start any of these podcasts, I like to just kind of come out the block and just ask what they call an icebreaker question. But I always find it intriguing that in all of our years, whether it's 30 years like you and I did or four years, which to some people, four years is all of our years. We're given leadership advice, and sometimes we don't get the best leadership advice. Has there ever been a time that you got some really horrible leadership advice with somebody that you can share? I hate using the word horrible, but I think one of the, thinking back, I always say that I was going through something uh, or something happened, and, and one of the my advice from one of the leaders were stay strong. I didn't like that part. I think that's a horrible thing to say sometimes for advice. I would prefer just keep going advice than stage crawl. We all experience emotion and emotion that does drive some of our actions. I would prefer, hey, keep your head up and, and keep going. You know, I, I, yeah, I think that's great. And I, I, you know, words mean things, right? When somebody says stay strong, that can be interpreted, well, okay, I'm just going to stand here and be strong. Or Correct. <laughs> you're, you're constantly in motion. You don't give up, right? Well, they say, right. that wall in front of you, dig under it, try climb over it, or go right through it. But keep Absolutely. Going, whatever you do. So, you know, Rosa, many people may not know this, but early in your Command Master Chief career, you were awarded the, the uh, Joy Bright Leadership Award. So, in the context of staying strong, what did you do? How were you set apart from others to receive this award? To be honest with you, David, it caught me off guard. I was a uh, command master chief in uh, Siganella. When I got the phone call, actually, I didn't get the phone call. My admin officer and CEO got the phone call. So my CEO invited me over to his house for dinner. I went over there and we sat down, we were just talking. And he's like, you know, you, you, you're a great leader. I, for the first time meeting you from everybody that's on the base, because I was a base lead uh, CMC, so we had all different commands there. And he was saying, when I do my monthly CEO meetings, everybody praise you, give you a high compliment, say that you would go out of your way. And I'm like, why is he telling me this at dinner? He could have told me this in his office. So I just went along. I said, thank you, sir. And, and thank again, thank you for having me for dinner. And he said, uh, you ever heard of a joy, joy, something? And I'm like, joy, where did I hear the word joy from? And then I told him, I said, oh, Captain Joy, a what? And he's like, yes. He said, well, congratulations. <laughs> so I was like, congratulations, sir, on, did I get the answer correct? Congratulations on that I am a recipient of this reward. He said, both. <laughs> so who ne- who was a senior chief at the time, Dee Allen, she worked for the McPine office up there. And somehow my name got submitted who did this committee? I'm not sure. It could have been my CEO, my admin officer. But I had received a phone call. It caught me completely off guard because I was not thinking about it. And I should have knew something was out when he invited me to dinner. And then he started talking about the, the Joy Leadership Award. I'm like, 
shouldn't be talking about football because I know he was a Philadelphia fan, and of course I was a New England Patriot fan. But yeah, so I was really, really appreciated, very humble, and honored to receive that award. I ended up getting flying back to DC, and and I was recognized there in front of all my peers and other sailors and officers. So that was the best way to catch me off guard. They did a good job of that. Surprise me. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, I've known you for a lot of years as a humble leader. So I I think that your reaction exemplifies the humble leader that that you are, that I know that you are, and so many others that know you know that you are. Thank you. Uh, Which, you're welcome. So have you always been a humble person, a humble leader, like going back to when you joined the Navy? what, What was it that drove you to join the military in the first place? Well, the military was not the first choice. When I was young, you know, Eddie, when you're in a younger grade, elementary school type of thing, you always get that question asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said I wanted to be like Christ, my, which is my faith, Christianity. And I said I want to serve people and I want to make, you know, do what I can to help people. That's and If there's a job title for that, then that's the job I want. As I grew older, I was looking at law enforcement, to be honest. And then before I know it was time for me to graduate, and I had received a track scholarship to go to the University of South Carolina. And when I got there, uh, for some reason, the scholarship fell through. I'm not sure what happened, but I was all situated, set and ready to go. I went to school for one year. And then, of course, without that's all my savings I had. from. I used to work prior to joining and going to school. And I had used up all my savings for the first year of school. So I ended up getting a job and I got this job and then my grades were starting to decline. I was like, man, this is too much hard work to receive the grade I was getting. So this one lady who took me in, she had like this house where she rent rooms out. And she tried to really, really convince me to stay. And again, she said, get things will keep going, just keep going, keep going. And I told her, I said, well, I'm going to uh, join the Marine Corps. I went to Beaufort, South Carolina, sat down, talked to a recruiter there, got everything situated, took the ASVAT test schools, go higher than what they expected at that time. I think for females, you only had to do 55. I go well higher than that. And then the day before I had to come back for one more, either question or signature or whatever, I came back, the guy that recruited me wasn't there. So I panicked because I had dropped out of school and I already gave out my place where I was staying at. And it's like, I can't go back home. I can't go back home because that would take me going backwards. So of course, you know, who's standing there in the summer whites? It's <laughs> the Navy recruiter. <laughs> so, and my focus at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't real educated on the different programs that the Navy had. So I was just like, look, I need to be able to go to school because I have to finish what I started. And they was like, oh, yeah, you can go to school. And, that's, and they were like, okay, so you can come in as a fireman, which my initial request was to come in as a fireman. I was like, okay. And then it went from there. But I, the hummingers came when I got to my first command. I ended up in aviation, not surface. Again, things weren't going as scheduled or as planned. So, you know, you have to make the best of what you have, you know. I don't play poker, but you didn't get a full, what, house, I think, a full hand. Uh, you just have to play the hand you got. <laughs> so I got to my first command and the XO and the CMC, I didn't know what it was. They saw me and it was like, no way. We got to get you designated, Airman Wilson. 
We've heard great things about you from the Guyana going to the Lyme Division. It was a nightmare in itself. But the humbleness, humbleness about that was the fact that I remained confident. I remained poised, patient. Of all the distraction that I had, it didn't cause me to stop going. You asked me earlier about a bad leadership decision, about stay strong. I just kept going. And it got me Master Chief within uh, 14 years. So, And then from there, I went Command Master Chief. So, For those listening that may not understand or have military background, to start as an E1 and make it up to E9, which is as high as you can go. If you see the movie Men of Honor, there's, I think, Robert De Niro, or the captain in there says, men have uh, tried and failed to even make chief, let alone master chief. And usually yes. it takes, on average, about 23, 24 years, and you did it in 14. Yes. You know, so, you know, being a humble leader, being that this is a podcast specifically about leadership, have you found, in your experience, humble leaders more successful than those that aren't? Or do you find your leadership, whether humble or not, they could be equally successful, but some may be more gravitating in positional leaders versus, like you described, being a Christ follower, a servant leader. How important is humbleness when, or humility when it comes to leadership in Rosa Wilson's opinion? I think as a leader, if you don't realize that you don't know everything, it doesn't matter how well-educated you are, and if you don't think that at any time that a good decision can have negative outcome as well as a bad decision can have positive outcome. And I think that a lot of leadership goes wrong, maybe, and you asked me about being humble, is that they feel that every decision has to be the correct decision, not best decision, but the right decision. And I think you're made humble or become humble and think that this may not go the right way, what would be the best way to go? If you approach it that way, I think your leadership will become stronger and your integrity and your character will become stronger. I think if you approach it the other way is that I can't go wrong. It's almost like gambling a little bit. I can't go wrong. This is the best way to, to do things. Or this is the right way to do things. I'm sorry, not best so much the right thing to do. And it could go that way. I prefer a balanced leader that is humble and strong at the same time. You know, it's okay to, to be that. As long as you realize that at some point in your leadership career or growth, that you either be made humble or you approach it in a humble way. Well, and, and humility also, when you're talking about uh, making decisions, you will make the wrong decision. And, and, and you Absolutely. will make the wrong decision that has the wrong outcomes. And so it takes a lot of humility to, yeah, I, I missed that one. I learned from those mistakes. Conversely, mm-hmm. I could I could remember when I was a first-class petty officer on board the USS Coronado, we got this new ensign. And the first thing he did as our division officer is came and sat by every one of us in our respective positions in Radio Central, not to learn how to do our job, but to understand our job. He, right. His thing was, you know, I, I need to know what you do if I'm going to advocate for you and be able to provide the best leadership that I can to you. And I had never, I mean, I've been in the Navy, I don't know, eight or 10 years by that time. I've never, honestly, never had a senior enlisted leader, let alone a, a young junior officer uh, approach us and do something like that. So I've seen humility modeled 
myself and, and as you described it. Perversely, I've also seen those that refuse to be humble, refuse to admit mistakes and only blame the Correct. mistakes on others. Because clearly I right. could never make a bad mistake. If executed pr- correctly, the outcome would have been as I expected. Right? So how did you ever be a humble leader yourself and making Master Chief at, at 14 years? It's about one promotion every 18 months. How did you keep from being put on a pedestal? I mean, I'm sure you were put on a pedestal at work, but how did you not let that get to your head? Because uh, I remember when I was a child, when I was asked what did I want to do when I grew up, and that was to help people. You know, I wanted to be like Christ. I wanted to be a servant. I wanted to serve and help people as much as I possibly can because helping people and being in the military, you meet people from all walks of life. So it just, to me, it was more interesting. It was more challenging. And it just helped me grow as a person. And it fell right into my faith, which is Christianity. And it kept me stable. It kept me sane. It kept me focused. And I just never care about anything else other than what was put in front of me and what I had to do. Not everything worked as planned, but the more I got promoted, there was a misunderstanding of my role. You know, I didn't really know my role was, but I had to rely on my focus of why, what I wanted to be, which was to serve and help people. And because that foundation was already built and instilled in me, I think that's why it kept me to stay focused and a lot of stuff didn't get to me as much as I saw it got to a lot of other people. Yeah, you know, it may not have worked according to your plan, but it does work according to God's plan. And, Absolutely. You know, when, when we remain humble, the Bible does speak to allowing others to uh, praise us. We don't need to praise ourselves. And to your point, put your head down and just not stay strong, but move on, right? Keep preaching. Yes. So, so being a servant leader, somebody who wants to serve, wants to give back, Clearly, you did that throughout your 30-year Navy career. Share with us how you continue to give back today. I have to say, is, <laughs> I have to go back to my faith. It just It's one of those goals that you reach for and, and it's easy to accomplish and it makes me happy. After retirement, I, a job fell in my lap. It helped me continue to do the same thing that I was doing and that I wanted to do. I'm involved at my church food bank. It helped me grow there as well. I'm still dealing with people from different backgrounds, still learning, still, you know, that's what keeps me going. It, it keeps me productive. It makes me relevant. It puts a smile on people's face and it makes their day. So what I get back is blessing to still be alive and blessings to still be moving forward and still be here. <laughs> So people may not know this, but you are the deputy director for the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society in San Diego. So in that capacity with Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, you know, what is your role as a deputy director? It's very kind of similar to what the role would be in a command operation. So I'm responsible for the overall operation, the manning, the facility itself, the information system, the family readiness as well. And actually a little bit of human relations, just making sure that we find the right volunteer and, and, and the right employee that has the same mission goal as serving people and serving our military communities. So, so you're responsible when you say employees, both paid and volunteer employees. 
Yes, absolutely. Because our more our help here is from the volunteer community. We have less staff, less left paid staff and more volunteers. So that's a challenge in itself, especially for a lot of them that's never have uh, any military affiliation. So kind of you have volunteers Six. that never served. Um, no. <laughs> so, so how did they hear about and and Avery Society and and how did they hear to get involved? Well, we are part of the volunteer match, which is run by the San Diego County over here. So we put our information out there, and then of course social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then so we get a lot of people that's interested in volunteer, and a lot of people out there wants to help the military. So uh, it's a huge population. We have to do a lot of screening, and the screening is very hard because we can't take everybody. The few we do take, it's been great here. That's fantastic. Well, we're just about out of time, Rosa, and I could have explored much more with you, and I feel we only scratched the surface. So at some point, we're going to have to come back <laughs> together because we covered like your first four years and then the last 30, but we, we, we <laughs> have much in between that I'd really like to be able to hear some stories. But before we go, now let's go back to humility a little bit. So has there ever been a time in your career or before military or after that you made the bad decision, the wrong decision, but the outcome turned out okay? Ooh. <laughs> I would say when I was already seeing Great Lakes, I actually volunteer. They was looking for volunteer RDCs to go there uh, because they was merging the training commands from Orlando, Florida, and San Diego to Great Lakes. And I made that decision to go there. And I was very junior. I think I spoke about misunderstanding your role earlier, but I became an RDC there. I had this one recruit that uh, was saying constantly, constantly that he didn't want to be here. He was just tired. He didn't want to be in the Navy. He'd rather be homeless. And in the heat of the moment, I, you know, I said, well, then leave. I use that word kind of loosely sometimes. I said, well, then leave. And because uh, <laughs> I got 87 <laughs> more people to deal with. You're, you're 88. <laughs> this is more people than I had to deal with my whole life in the Navy at that time. So the sailor packed up a sea bag that was issued to him and he was headed out. And I'm thinking all the other recruits are looking at me like, OK, are you, you going to stop him? He's serious. He's leaving. So, you know, at that time I couldn't go back. I, at that moment, I could not say stop. At least to me, it was like, I'm not going to say stop because I just told him to leave. I was done. And he did leave the, the compartment. He went downstairs and I'm not sure who saw him or whatever, but uh, he waited all day just before evening meal. He came back and he actually apologized to me and said that he was just, he wasn't used to living with that many people at one time. And it just seemed like it was too much stuff going on for him to keep up. You know, and I accepted his apology and I told him too, I said, I, I apologize to him because when I read his letter that I asked him all to write in one of, in his letter, he said he was homeless. So I'm happy that he did return. And I said, we both act on our emotions. They got the best of us. I didn't have for you to leave, but I just couldn't deal with you at the time. So the best choice of word for me was to say, just leave. And he said, I didn't want to leave, but he told me to leave, so I left. So I said, okay, so we both learned from this. Don't, you know, don't say stuff that we don't mean. <laughs> and calm down first before we make a decision. So 
that's really good. There's, there, we can unpack that. Well, Rosa, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you've done. Continue to do with Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, your church, as well as the Illicit Leadership Foundation, where you volunteer alongside myself and, and six others on this uh the science project, if you will, providing <laughs> leadership training to the enlisted military. I'm David Deary. That's been another edition of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation's Lead On Lessons for Military Leaders uh, this week with Rosa Wilson. If there's a leader that you know that served in the military, uh, they don't have to be a 30-year career veteran like Rosa and I. They could have just served for two, four years. But there's some leadership lessons there. Contact us. You can reach us on our website at www.enlistedleadershipfoundation.org. Fill out that contact us form and we'll be in touch. Until next time, remember we drop on the 1st and the 15th every month on Military Paydays. Look forward to seeing you at the next edition of Lead On, Lessons for Military Leaders.